Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What is up, everybody? I am your host, Chris Raybon, and this is the Fantasy Flex Post-Draft 2023 podcast. Me and Sean Kerner are going to break down all of the fantasy winners and losers at each position as a result of the draft. So let me bring in one of the top rankers in the game right now, Sean Kerner. Sean, what's going on? How how you uh, how you recovering off that screwball all those What's screwball cr- shots we did man Oh my god yeah um still recovering uh but overall had a good draft weekend finished sixth in the the accuracy contest on Fancy Pros hit both nice. of my draft props and then got to watch rounds two and three with you um yes. although the screwball kind of uh makes it a little bit hazy but we had fun nonetheless Hopefully you had a very happy birthday weekend uh, too bad I wasn't you know, able to be there Saturday, but uh, hope you had a happy birthday, bud. Oh yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, I sure did. Um, But uh, now, you know, just as fun as my birthday, probably more fun (laughs) is breaking down the NFL draft. Cause I love this time of year because now we finally have some idea at least of what the final rosters uh, are going to start to look like. And we could start really making projections and, and nailing yeah. down playing time and things like that. So uh, we're going to go position by position. Uh, we'll drop a couple winners, a couple losers. They could be guys already on rosters, veterans. They could be rookies who landed in good spots. Whoever it is that uh, saw their stock uh, rise or fall as a result of this past weekend's draft. So let's start it off a quarterback. Who do you like uh, as your winners uh, as a result of this 2022 draft at QB? So I thought uh, Anthony Richardson was a winner. Um, You know, he was drafted fourth overall by the Colts. I thought could have been Will Levis there, but that's a great landing spot for Richardson. You know, he's going to get to play under Shane Steichen, who helped, you know, develop Jalen Hurts to the elite status that we know of today. So a great landing spot in terms of coaching. Um, I'm guessing Gardner Minshew will start. 
the season at least until Richardson's ready. But uh, th- this makes it even more likely that Richardson will start before the season's up. And, you know, he has top 10 upside just given his immense rushing upside. Um, so it's a great landing spot for this season and beyond. I thought there was a chance he was going to end up, uh, you know, with either the Seahawks or Titans, which would have meant, you know, he's going to sit out pretty much the entire, you know, first season. Um, so I thought this was a great landing spot. You know, the Colts also drafted Josh Downs a bit later on, um, who I love. So, you know, Richardson has a few weapons in Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, and now Josh Downs. So uh, I just love this landing spot for Richardson um, for year one and beyond. And I thought the other winner of draft weekend was Geno Smith. Yep. Um, like I said, you know, Seattle was, I, I think they ended up being the favorite to be the team to draft Anthony Richardson. Um, not only did they not, the Seahawks not draft a quarterback uh, that's going to compete with Geno this year, they also drafted arguably the top wide receiver prospect in Jackson Smith and Jigma. So uh, now Geno Smith has one of the better wide receiver trios in the league and job security. So I thought Geno Smith came away this weekend uh, as a big winner. Yeah, I, I really like what the Seahawks did. I, I, you know, I thought they had a great draft and I thought they went about uh, building up their team really well on both sides of the ball. You know, they, they could have potentially if Smith uh, Jigba hands out early and, and plays up to his draft pedigree, they could challenge for the, you know, right there with Cincinnati for that top wide receiver trio yeah. in the league. And then I thought Zach uh, Charbonnet, he's like, uh, a, a pretty solid pass catcher and you know Walker that's one thing he really didn't do that well and so I think when you're trying to build around Gino the run game is important and also having a guy who you know is not just like a Travis Homer who's essentially kind of tip tipping off that you're going to throw you know Charbonnet can run it too um I, I thought it was just really good uh really good draft for Seattle and I think their offensive line will be pretty good I know they took some stabs late uh, you know, you know, in day three uh, on the interior, maybe they can improve that that final you know slot. I think it's going to be right guard or, or it might be center. But yeah, I, I thought Gino was a big winner uh, in the draft. Uh, I got uh, I'm going Lamar Jackson. You know, I think that's the one that stands out. That's the one that's uh, most fantasy relevant uh, because he's QB eight right now, and we know Lamar Jackson has QB one upside uh, if he stays healthy. They add Zay Flowers with the 23rd pick of the first round at wide receiver. And what does that mean? That means that they finally have a complete receiving core uh, around Lamar. They got OBJ and, you know, we don't know exactly what he's going to be able to give them. Is he going to stay healthy? But at least as it stands now, you got OBJ, you got Rashad Bateman on the outside. You got Zay Flowers in the slot. You got Mark Andrews at tight end. You got Isaiah Likely behind him. You got Nelson Aguilar as another veteran who I think is still an upgrade on like, you know, Demarcus Robinson. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think Duvernay is still around too. So suddenly you got guys that Lamar can put the ball in their hands that he doesn't have to do at all. And maybe that helps him stay healthy because you know, if a guy like Flowers is out there getting separation, you know, if, you, if you're getting guys open all over the field, maybe that cuts down on some of the rushing attempts for Lamar. So I, I, I think that he's still going to be extremely efficient, but I think this is going to be good for his health. I think it's going to be good for his passing upside. So even if he runs a little bit less, uh, I still think it's great news uh, for his fantasy upside. And he could be a, a complete steal uh, at QB8. 
Yeah, no, like I, I love their wide receiver depth now. Anytime you can make James Prochet go from the number two or number three <laughs> wide receiver to the number six or seven, you have done your job. So, <laughs> yeah, no, Lamar got paid and he has a ton of weapons now. So, yeah, he could, um, you know, go back to his, what was it, 2019? Yeah, um, Yeah, like uh, he has that sort of upside this season for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, what about losers at QB? Uh, I got to go with um, Ryan Tannehill and Matthew Stafford. And, you know, Ryan Tannehill, you know, he he went from one of the worst pass-catching units in the league last year to losing Robert Woods and Austin Hooper, which isn't saying much, but they didn't really draft anybody or bring anybody in to replace them. Yet, uh, you know, they drafted the running back Tajay Spears, who I like, uh, and the fifth-round tight end Josh Wiley. Uh, and they also were the team that ended up getting Will Levis. So it was just a terrible draft for Tannehill's stock. And, you know, if the Titans end up tanking this season, you know, we could see Levis starting by the end of the season. So I just did not like this draft. <laughs> Funny you should say that because I just finished writing about a thousand Titans. words and why the Titans are going to win the AFC. Side. Because they're not, yeah. How can they, <laughs> how can they tank um, with their genius coach? I know where you're going with that, right? Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, my thing is I really – it's still, what is it, May, right? So I'm yeah. not really big on betting win totals. I know we're getting a little off tangent, but I'm not really big on betting win totals. There's no real upside there. But, like, I think the gap between Tennessee and Jacksonville is a lot less than three games, essentially. Yeah. And Jacksonville is a very kind of top-heavy roster, and they had the second-best injury luck. So um, I, I do. I think Tennessee was interesting where they went all offense in this draft. Dude, not one defensive player, yet they still have a really good defense. Um, but I, I agree. I, I thought it was kind of odd that Tennessee didn't get like another playmaker earlier. I know they were kind of limited, but I, I honestly thought that they they probably should have just gotten another wide receiver or some yeah. type of other playmaker with that Levis pick. Like I think Tannehill is, is is fine, and I think you know if 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 you need to go away from him, the way your roster is constructed, you can win you know, a game or two with a, not like maybe not Josh Dobbs, but you know, like a guy that you could kind of bring in for like a game here, game yeah. as long as he's better than Malika Willis. So I, that, that was kind of questionable to me, but yeah, it all, all in all, you add it all together. And I agree. I think that's uh that's an L for, uh, for Tannehill. Yeah, exactly. That will love us pick being a wide receiver mm-hmm. would have flipped the draft right. the other way for Tannehill, yes. but uh, real quickly, I, I just, there weren't that many losers at quarterback, but I thought Matthew Stafford, was one of them because again they they really haven't made any moves to replace Allen Robinson, which you know he totally flopped last year. I think that's I think that's called um addition <laughs> by subtraction. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean they they still need to replace that Robert Woods role, you know, and they, they still have two, 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 three, oh two, my two. god, yeah. Well, they could have had Amon Ross St. Brown there. Don't get me going on that <laughs> because we're trying to keep this an hour. But you know they drafted a wide receiver in the fifth round of Puka Nakua. Like, mm-hmm. come on, get out of here with that. And they also, they probably reached on Stenson Bennett, taking him pretty early around. Oh, four, yeah. But he but... was about to go undrafted. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't I know. <laughs> I know, but this is another one of those situations where, you know, if they're tanking, would not be shocked if he starts at some point. Uh, and I know Matthew Stafford's health isn't great heading into the season. So it's just, you know, all bad for Matthew Stafford right now heading into the season. The Rams had probably one of the most unique off seasons I in recent memory. They added absolutely no one in free agency, lost pretty much half of their starters across and like replaced them with like 
day three draft pick, day two and day three draft picks, <laughs> yeah. and like lower, you know, lower depth chart guys, and you know, second, third stringers from last year. It it's going to be a very odd um, season for the Rams. Uh, I think the only saving grace, maybe for Stafford, could be like their defense lost. I think seven or eight starters. Mm. They could have they could have one of the worst defense in the league this year. Um, yep. which then would, you know, obviously result in a lot of throwing. But can can Stafford even handle that at this age? I don't know. So Who knows? it wasn't wasn't a great draft. Didn't didn't really add anybody of note. I, I noticed that too. Although our, our boy Friedman was on, you know, giving his draft grades out uh on the uh Action Network podcast, which is uh should be out now. And um he actually said he actually likes uh, Nakua. So uh, uh, that's a guy who seems to be a little bit polarizing. So, you know, maybe they got something there. Maybe. Maybe he's the next two two Atwell. Oh no, maybe, maybe, maybe they just need to let Tutu play. Maybe that's what's going yeah, on. Yeah, that well, they might have to this year. Right. Uh, for me, it's it's got to be Mac Jones. Um, I know he's you know QB twenty eight, so he's only kind of <laughs> two two QB league super flex league fodder, but he is locked into the starting job. So um, you know we do have to talk about his value at some point and. You know, the Patriots in the first with the first three picks went cornerback, defensive end, linebacker. Then they take a center, which okay, but like uh okay. And then they take a kicker in with their fifth pick. They also add a punter later in the draft, and they do not uh, address the playmaking positions until uh, round six with uh, a couple of wide receivers, Kayshawn Boutte out of LSU and Demario Douglas out of USC. But, you know, for a, for a skill position group that uh, has a lot of question marks, at least at, at pass catcher, like I know they added Gasicki, but he's been unreliable and he can't block. So who knows how that's going to go over in that, you know, with Belichick and, um, you know, Thornton, you know, could he take a step forward? Yeah, but he's going to be forced into a pretty big role and he would disappear at times. Devontae Park has never really been reliable uh, for, for, for long stretches. Uh, and, and Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, you know, just seems to be on like a downhill trajectory after mm-hmm. peaking way early in his career. So, I mean, this could get ugly, um, you know, outside of, you know, dumping it off to Ramondre Stevenson over and over. But it seems like the Patriots are kind of gearing up to be an elite defense and, and trying to get back to, to, to it on special teams, drafting specialists using real picks like real live draft picks <laughs> not fake ones not fake yeah. ones but real ones uh real 49er type picks <laughs> on specialists um you know that it just doesn't bode well for mac jones so you know in best ball he's really going to be like that that last possible guy like if everyone else is gone and like i can't get a richardson and i can't get you know like i can't even get these like <laughs> kind of high upside guys who might not even start all year like that. He's going to be my last resort. Cause I really do not like uh, how the Patriots went about it from his perspective anyway. Yeah. And they, they were favored to take a wide receiver with their first pick. So it was disappointing that they passed up on all of them. They were all on the board at that time, but it made sense taking Christian Gonzalez, but mm-hmm. the only saving grace for Mac Jones is they didn't draft the quarterback. So at least he had right. that going for him. Yeah, it just kind of puts him in this purgatory, though, where it's like, yeah, we know he's locked in his starting job, but the, the numbers probably won't be there. So, yeah, it's it's odd. odd he's going to uh, have to deal with, you know, the bring in Zappy chance at some point. This oh, season. right. Yeah, yeah. He's still there. I forgot about that. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, all right, let's make, uh, let's go to running back. Uh, who do you, who do you like uh, in terms of winners at running back? Oh, definitely Jameer Gibbs. Uh, it wasn't surprising to see him go on the first, but it was surprising to see him go 12th, uh, especially to the Lions where, you know, it wasn't shocking to then see them trade away DeAndre Swift. Um, and they still have David Montgomery, but they didn't spend first round draft capital to have Gibbs back up David Montgomery. So uh, just based on history, it's it's pretty clear that Gibbs is going to be a workhorse back from day one. Uh, he has a ton of pass catching upside. Uh, he has touchdown upside in this offense, gets to play behind a great offensive line. Uh, I love the comparisons to Alvin Kamara. That's exactly who I think of when I watch tape of him. Uh, so love the landing spot for Gibbs. So he was a winner. Uh, in my book. Um, another winner was James Conner, just based on the fact the Cardinals didn't draft a running back. So mm-hmm. it's going to be James Conner's backfield as long as he could stay healthy. Uh, it's also a boost for Keontae Ingram, uh, who will be the number two back. Um, at some point, maybe the Cardinals will get him some run. But right now, things are looking good for James Conner, uh, you know, this season at least. And um, Devon A-Chain, was a great landing spot. Uh, he's a home run hitting smaller running back. So I thought the Dolphins is a great fit for him. Um, he's the perfect type of back for that scheme. And he gets to play behind, you know, an injury prone back like Raheem Mozart, who will be 31 this year and Jeff Wilson. So he probably just needs an injury or two to, you know, potentially be an RB2 type of value. So I thought that was an excellent landing, uh, landing spot for him. Yeah. Uh, most definitely. And, and Connor was the one that, you know, I, I, that really stuck out to me too, because I know Arizona projects to be potentially uh, the worst team in the league this year, but the, you know, Connor has shown that he can play, you know, every snap in a yep. game. And um, you know, the fact that they didn't draft a running back, not only puts Connor, you know, kind of solidifies his role, but it, it gives us one of those situations where we have a clear handcuff that we can get pretty cheaply, later on if you do draft Connor in Keontae Ingram. So I, I really like how that situation uh, kind of played out. I, and obviously I know, you know, there's always free agency, you know, maybe yeah. somebody gets signed, but as of now, anyway, uh, it, it looks good at least for, for, you know, for the predictive value mm-hmm. of that, uh, of the backfield. Uh, I got uh, for winners at running back. I got J uh, JK Dobbins. Uh, another team is Baltimore that didn't draft a running back. And, you know, Dobbins is, is kind of back up there going as, a, as, a, as a, a top 24 running back in a lot of drafts. And, you know, I'm always skeptical with him. But the fact that they didn't draft a running back, especially, you know, draft like a more dynamic running back that maybe could do more in the pass game shows me that, you know, Baltimore is going to kind of continue to play this style of offense. They, they probably will open things up in the pass game. But 
as far as running the ball, it seems like they're going to go with, you know, a, a heavy dose of Dobbins and, and then, you know, some Gus Edwards behind him and you know, maybe Hill mixes in or something like that. But, um, you know, Dobbins was getting you know, 13 to 17 carries a game and, and a catch here or there. So especially, especially in half PPR and given how, you know, well we Baltimore's offense uh, may do now with all these additions at pass catcher, they may move the ball up and down the field a lot more than they have in the past. Uh, I think Dobbins, you know, retains his touchdown upside. Uh, he, he probably, they'll probably never be comfortable giving him like 80% of the snaps, mm-hmm. but in this offense and, and just the way they use him, I, I still think he'll, he'll have value. Um, and definitely because they didn't draft a running back, especially a more dynamic guy or a three down guy. Um, I do think that's good news for Dobbins, even though I, I tend to find his value are a little rich for my blood every year, but um, you know, as far as the draft, like that's this is still the best possible outcome uh, as of now. Yeah, for sure. And you know, last season he was playing pretty banged up, right? I mean, he was coming mm-hmm. off that nasty ACL injury. They had to clean up some scar tissue, so there were some times where he didn't look great, but he was still busting, you know, sixty-yard runs. But then he ended up looking like Darren Ravel towards the end of it. <laughs> uh, but you know, like this season, the the needles point out for him. I think they added weapons, you know, in the passing game. Uh, might hurt him just they might be more pass heavy but it could set up more touchdowns so I think with J.K. Dobbins we're just banking on touchdown upside so I agree you know it was a great draft for him and I think the needle's pointing up on him heading into the season yeah and remember his last game in the playoffs uh 13 carries 62 yards but also four catches on five targets yeah. for 43 and a touch so um he can do it in the pass game and if that if that was his usage every game like 13 <laughs> to 15 carries like you know, three to five targets. I mean, that would be amazing for him. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm definitely a guy that I got my eye on. Um, similar situations, two more. Uh, Rashad White for the Bucks. Uh, they did not draft a running back. Remember, Fournette has been released. Another team that could sign someone, but as of right now, just Chase Edmonds, who I think could spell him here or there, especially you know on those like hurry up two minute, maybe like a, a Gio Bernard. But I, I still think the fact that they didn't draft a true compliment to white, like another uh, four net type of back um, is good news for white. And, you know, Tampa Bay, they're in a weird spot where they may end up wanting to just see what they got in their young guys. Who knows? I mean, their roster's okay, but um, until they figure out the quarterback position, who knows? But I, I do think uh, Rashad white will get his chance to kind of be a three down back, especially uh, after they don't draft any any backs, and then um, you know they go with uh, you know Cody Mock uh, in the second round, who can play tackle, guard, center. So that could you know that could plug a hole and help with the uh, the run blocking, which you know was not there for the Bucks uh, in, in White's rookie year. And then uh, the last one, Tony Pollard, which pretty obvious, you know Dallas. They they do have a running back, Deuce Vaughn, uh, but that was a, a you know round six pick. They didn't really add anyone that you think would take carries away from Pollard, who's one of the best backs in the league. Um, still got to monitor, you know, his recovery from that that injury he suffered uh, in the playoffs. But if he's good to go, uh, you know, he's going RB13 uh, around there right now. You know, if, if he's going to be Dallas's unquestioned lead back, uh, RB1 overall upside for Tony Pollard. So another guy that, uh, you know, coming out of the draft, I was glad they didn't go, you know, try to replace Zeke in, in, in yeah. high pick uh, on a back. Yeah, they were a team that was, you know, favored or co-favorites to take Bijan Robinson or, you know, Jameer Gibbs. So the fact they didn't take one of those guys is obviously good. But 
I have, uh, I love Deuce Vaughn and my comp for him is micro machine version of Tony Pollard, mm. uh, which is ironic, but I, I love Deuce Vaughn. But yeah, like you said, that is a positive sign for Pollard heading into the season. Again, we don't know if like they're going to bring back Zeke, you know, on a more team friendly deal or something more things can happen. But as of now, Pollard looks locked in as an RB one to start the season. Yeah. And I think, you know, as we talk about running back, the one guy that I kind of have, in the back of my mind is Kareem Hunt. Like, I don't Ooh, know yeah. where exactly he's going to land, but wherever he does, that obviously is going to probably impact, uh, you know, that back, the, the rest of the back of the team's backfoot in some sort of way. Um, so that, that's something to keep in mind with the, with these guys who are saying, yeah, they don't really have any competition. You know, uh, I don't know if a, a team like Arizona, who's tanking, may do it, but, right. Um, you know, Dallas, I think that's a, you know, potentially a possibility, you know, a team like that, even, I mean, heck, even Baltimore, uh, I think, you know, some of the contenders, um, I, I could see signing a Kareem Hunt to kind of bolster th- their backfield. So that, that is something to kind of watch out for. Same thing with like Eckler and Dalvin Cook, aren't they sort of on the, the yeah, they're in limbo. Right I think so. What I'm hearing about Eckler and it just seems to change all the time, but <laughs> as of now, it seems like they're actually trying to go toward a resolution that keeps him mm. on the chargers. Um, and then Cook, I don't know. They've been very, you know, that one's still touch and go. Um, you know, I've been I've been hearing, you know, they're essentially they're not certain that they want to have him back. I don't I don't know why. I would just kind of, you know, I mean Minnesota, I know they weren't as good as their record last year, but they're still in a yeah. very kind of winnable division in a very winnable conference. Um, so I don't know if I would just kind of be letting go a Dalvin Cook right now. But um, you know, to each his own. Madison's always been good. But uh, who yeah. who did you think? Uh, at running back were uh, losers coming out of this draft? Well, I already mentioned it, but uh, David Montgomery, uh, you know, just the Lions taking Gibbs at 12th overall uh, pretty much means Montgomery is going to be, you know, an RB3 with RB2 upside if Gibbs were to get injured. Um, His stock did go up a bit after the Lions traded away DeAndre Swift, but again, this is going to be Gibbs' backfield. So I thought it was a bad weekend for Dave Montgomery, all things considered. Um, And then actually both, Seattle running backs, uh, Zach Charbonnet and Kenneth Walker. This kind of reminded me of, you know, when the Jaguars had uh, James Robinson coming off his uh, impressive rookie season, they drafted Travis Etienne in the first round. It kind of, um, you know, hurt both players initially. And I think that's what's going on here. Uh, It was surprising to see Seattle, uh, you know, take a second rounder like Charbonnet when they already have Kenneth Walker. So uh, I think this is still Kenneth Walker's backfield, but, you know, Charbonnet is definitely going to eat into his workload enough to matter. Um, So, you know, both running backs sort of take a hit uh, with uh, Seahawks landing uh, Charbonnet. Yeah. I, like I, I mentioned before, I think I don't actually, the more I think about it, the more I'm actually like not as confused by the pick and, and I actually kind of like it because again, I think Seattle really is relying on surrounding Geno Smith with, you know, whatever it takes for him to succeed. And I think one of those things is a running game. And I think, especially with how talented Walker is like the, the Seattle um, run blocking was 30th last year, but Seattle was top five in running back yards per carry. Mm-hmm. So they rely on their running backs to make plays, even when their offensive line is not uh, is not necessarily opening big holes or anything like that. So, you know, the way they were feeding Walker, that was probably not sustainable. You know, he was, I think it was like 26, 23, and 29 carries his last three games. You know, he's playing yeah. like every snap. So like I said, Charbonnet can play on passing downs. He could take the place of Homer. He, he, he compliments Walker, who's like a home run hitter. You know, Charmin is a little more patient. I mean, sometimes he dances. So I actually think it's a very good 
compliment. Like I, but I, I agree. Like the, you know, we're probably not going to see like those 90% snap games for, yeah. for Walker anymore. And there's always a chance that if Walker, you know, starts, you know, kind of uh, losing yardage and, and kind of hit the home run and, you know, that, that, that they end up going, you know, away from him more than they would if it was just like DJ Dallas and, um, and Homer on, on the roster behind him. Yeah. And we'll have to see how this impacts their ADP. I'm not saying I wouldn't draft either, but um, you know, if, if their ADP falls, either one of them has, you know, potential, I, I should say just Kenneth Walker has potential RB1 value. Charbonnet yeah. has potential RB2 value if Walker were to go on. So they both are going to carry um, some massive injury upside. So I'm not saying I wouldn't draft them, but this certainly dinged both of their stock uh, yeah. after that weekend. Walker's still going in, in a lot of spots as a, as a top 10 running back. And like, I I mean, the talent is there. Yeah. I get it. But yeah, that's, that's when I, I doubt he's going to become quite that high. Um, in my projections, just because of, you know, kind of uh, accounting for the risk of. of uh, yeah. Now Walker is still legit, but Charbonnet is legit too. They have yeah. two legit running backs. Yeah. It's a good problem for them. I like it. I like it. Yeah. yeah I like it for exactly. them. I like it for them. I like yeah, it for them. Exactly. Yeah. So for me, I mean, I, I'll go with the obvious Tyler Algier, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, Pete, we were thinking of probably drafting him as a, a an RB two, and he, he's still going, you know, right, right around that, that, that top 25, uh, on the on the fringe, but Bijan Robinson comes in. He's the eighth overall pick. You don't draft a running back eighth overall to to, to you know put him in a, a you know a, a B the B side of a committee. So Algier, I think he's going back to you know maybe he gets what was it uh, who was it Huntley I think was maybe yeah. he gets that role you know where it's like uh, you know they they get him like eight to ten carries because they run like thirty five times <laughs> yeah um, so I mean I'm not saying his value is completely toast but compared to I mean this guy was slated he was about to be like a Devonte Freeman like you know twenty carries playing a ton, a ton of snaps he really took over down the stretch so that was a massive hit. Um, at, you know, where the Falcons didn't, didn't really even need to, to, to draft uh, a running back at that spot in the draft. I thought, I thought they should probably have gone defense because they were such a good running team. I think they were top five in running DVOA anyway. Um, so, you know, that, you know, I get it, you know, that's their identity. They want to be as good as anyone. They want to be the best running team in the league. So we'll see how that pans out. Interestingly enough, their win total went up to eight and a half after the draft, mm. despite a lot of people kind of panning it. So. I don't know. That somebody, somebody's bullish on the Falcons besides me. Uh, but uh, also another loser, Rashad Penny. You know, uh, I thought that was pretty intriguing when he landed in Philadelphia. Could you know potentially take over that Miles Sanders role? We've seen at times Penny, you know, look like the best running back in the league. Super explosive. Would be the best line he ever ran behind in his career. But now Philadelphia gets DeAndre Swift, and we already saw how Philadelphia they don't really have allegiance to any one running back. Like we saw that more and more down the stretch mm -hmm. in the playoffs were like, we all can like, Oh yeah. Miles Sanders is going to like retain his, his workload. And it was just like, no, nah, Boston Scott, no, nah. <laughs> uh, was, he was the other guy, uh, Gainwell, you know, and, and it's in the, the, it's the worst part with them is sometimes it's hard to predict too exactly when and how they're going to use those guys. Yeah. So, um, you know, Deandre Swift is a very talented runner. Penny is a talented runner. Uh, I'm not saying either one of them necessarily takes a backseat to the other. They can do different things, but that's kind of the issue. It could be a 50-50 split, and we've seen Philadelphia, uh, you know, mix in a third back uh, for much of the year as well. So this is uh, – it's it's a sticky situation, especially with Hurts there also, uh, you know, 
taken a lot of the uh, of the rushing production as well. So yeah, Penny downgrade for me after the draft. Yeah, obviously, just a big hit for Penny. All all the running backs. I still think Penny can still you know have a couple big runs in a limited mm-hmm. workload. Uh, but it was definitely crippling for Kenny Gainwell. I thought he had some upside heading the season, but you know Swift will probably take over most of those receiving duties but how much you want to bet after all this boston scott is their first touchdown score this year just give me me like four to one odds on that five to one (laughs) uh yeah i would probably give you like yeah yeah i'd have to i mean yeah i'd have to the book would give you like like it'd be like it'd be like uh plus 250 you know, some, <laughs> yeah. some bullshit line yeah, you never get a better get. line from yeah you. no you're not though they, they also have trey sermon so who knows you know what's gonna happen yeah. here but yeah this Me, is... trey sermon is not doing anything that's i know that <laughs> well this is like 49ers east so i'm just saying there's a lot true, of volatility true. here well uh, i mean i do think i think if i had to project the way the roles would kind of shake out i think swift would be the guy they go to um you know, early in the game and he's playing a little more when the game is still in doubt and they have more passing situations. And then if they get up by, you know, multiple scores late in the game, I think Penny comes in as a little more of a hammer. You know, he's not as good uh, in the pass game, but he's a big athletic guy who can explode. And especially if the defense is tired already from chasing Jalen Hurts around, I think that makes sense. So, I mean, geez, Philadelphia, the rich really – got richer and I was like you know I was getting ready to fade Philly I'm like all right you know Philly probably peaked last year and then I mean they knocked this draft out the park so um, well the, you know. the yeah no Philly kicked ass this draft but uh the other thing with Swift is I, I don't know if he's going to get much goal line work if anything he's going to be the one pushing Jalen Hurts ass into the end zone um, and, and <laughs> right. unfortunately you don't get points for that so I mean, to be to be fair though I feel like Philadelphia actually didn't really discriminate. Like it was just whoever, whatever running back was in the <laughs> yeah. game at the time they were at the goal line, which was often um, because, you know, Gainwell ha- had a time where he was getting some touchdowns, you know, Boston Scott. Yeah. I-, I just feel like they want to rotate guys and whoever's in it. Th- it's like, remember the old Patriots used to do that with Lewis and Blunt and uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, like they it's just, whoever's in the game, Burkhead, whoever's in the game, you get to carry. I, I think Philadelphia might end up doing that. So maybe Swift will have a little more goal line usage than you would otherwise expect for a guy who's probably going to play more on passing downs. But yeah. you know, that's just kind of a gut feel. I'm not, I can't like confirm <laughs> that. It's just kind of how I see it playing out. Uh, all right, let's go to wide receiver. And, you know, even with a kind of, I, I guess, somewhat underwhelming wide receiver class, I, I still think a lot of interesting things happen that, that mm-hmm. are going to have a fantasy impact. So uh, what do you got for winners at wide receiver? Um, so the first one was Rasheed Rice. Um, just the fact that he landed in Kansas City, just massive mm-hmm. for his value. Great landing spot. You know, they lost Juju uh, and Nico Hardman. So the wide receiver room is wide open. Uh, I loved Rice heading into the draft. Uh, he gave me, you know, Chris Godwin vibes. Like that's that's the type of receiver I think he could be. Uh, so now he has a shot to be Mahomes' number two or number three target this season. So I thought that was an excellent landing spot for him. I love Jonathan Mingo's landing spot going to the Panthers in the second round. Um, he's another prospect I loved heading into the draft. He's big, athletic. Uh, I think his range of outcomes is like LaVisca Chenault to Debo Samuel. That's what we're talking about here. He's very good with the ball in his hands. Um, I think he landed in a great situation in Carolina because – you know, he could end up being Bryce Young's top target. We already talked about Adam Thielen. No clue if he's washed or not, but, you know, he's the number one wide receiver heading in the season. Um, they have Hayden Hurst, so he doesn't have much competition to leapfrog these guys and become the top target. So 
Love that landing spot for Mingo. Uh, and then the dark horse pick for me is Justin Shorter, uh, who went to the Bills in the fifth round. He's out of Florida. I just thought this was a great landing spot for him because, um, you know, he's tall, athletic, uh, nothing really off the charts with him, but he seems like Gabe Davis's backup. So if Gabe Davis were to go down, um, you know, Shorter would probably be the guy that replaces him. So, well, he's not a guy that we should be drafting. He's at least somebody to keep on our radar just because he's in this Bills offense. So he could be more the long-term plan for Gabe Davis if he pans out. So he that was definitely an exciting landing spot for him. Um, and he's caught passes from a mobile gunslinger like Josh Allen. He was, you know, catching passes from uh, Anthony Richardson at Florida. So uh, I just think he's a good fit in this offense. And, you know, he has a ton of upside when uh, just going to the Bills. Yeah, because the Bills, I mean, they had somewhat of a curious draft too. Um, and mm-hmm. it still seems like, you know, they're – they're going to need like another wide receiver at some point to, to step up. So maybe he's the guy. So yeah, I think that's interesting. I'm a guy. I'm, I have my eye on as well. Uh, for me, it's uh, it's, it's Jordan Addison uh, going to the Vikings in, you know, early in the draft because, you know, mentioned Adam Thielen and that does leave a, 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 a void there, even though Thielen wasn't you know producing at his normal levels that he was when he was peaking at the peak of his career. He still averaged uh, 6.3 targets per game, 4.1 receptions per game. And Minnesota, let's not forget, third in pass attempts last year with 672. So there's quite a lot of bit of upside. And I think Addison uh, has a pretty good shot at, at starting uh, right away from day one. And, I mean, oh, yeah. the, the track record of the Vikings lately with the wide receivers, I mean, Jefferson was good. He, Osborne exceeded expectations. So, uh, you know, I, I got, I got, to, I think that's a, a pretty solid landing spot where, you know, even if he's not uh, a monster right off the bat, uh, efficiency wise, I, I think there's a lot of volume that kind of pads his floor and raises his ceiling. Um, and, and, and yeah, again, really good chance to, to start from day one on a, on a high volume pass offense. So, uh, love Addison there. He's already going, uh, as a wide receiver four in fantasy draft four or five, like a wide receiver 44. And uh, I actually have no problem with it. If you like his upside, you know, I think, I think Osborne kind of is what he is. I don't know if Osborne necessarily takes that jump into that next, you know, uh, go jumps up. I think the fact that they took Addison mm-hmm. signals that they don't, they want to keep Osborne in his current role and they want to, uh, you know, an upgrade on Thielen. So I, I think it's just, it's just a very kind of, Mouth-watering proposition here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another QB that won uh, this weekend was Kirk Cousins because they were kind of linked to Hennon Hooker or potentially Levis. But they got Jordan Addison, so now he has Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, and TJ Hawkinson Yep, with Nick Mullins backing him up. So Kirk Cousins came away the weekend a winner. Yeah. Three three, uh, three sons at wide receiver. That's crazy. Three it's like Ooh. Jefferson, Addison, oh. <laughs> and Hawkins' sons. A lot of sons. Yeah, uh, wow. Um, and funny because Kirk Cousins plays well <laughs> in the sun and not <laughs> when the sun is down. Uh, but Traylon Burks, under the radar Ooh. winner for me because yeah. we, we kind of hinted at, you know, Tannehill's probably a loser, but you got to go to the other side of that now and say, well, Tennessee didn't draft a wide receiver until the seventh round, and that was – Colton Dowell out of UT Martin. I don't think I've seen his <laughs> film. Have you? I I have a little bit actually. But, As he uh, nothing nothing to discuss. No. Oh, um, okay. Okay. Nothing to discuss. Is, is he is he better or worse than Michael Bandy as a receiver? Um. Ooh, close. 
Uh, he he's in a worse offense. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say with better. Okay. That's how, okay. That's how bad I think Vandy is. Well, they think. Well, they they definitely need <laughs> like another. I mean, Westbrook Akina. I think Phillips. You know, showed some good chemistry with Tannehill. He only really played one game, and he had six catches. And then he yeah, he got hurt. derailed with what the hamstring injury yeah. or something. And yeah, but... I think he only ended up playing a, like three more games, and he was hurting all of them at yeah. some point. Um, but yeah, they need another guy. Uh, but they didn't get one, and so Traylon Burks has like this low key potential to be like an AJ Brown type of target hog for them. You know, like I'm not saying he's as talented as AJ Brown, but there's a couple of things that I found interesting about Burks. Cause remember how poorly his rookie, uh, you know, career, his career really started, but he was, uh, he came on, he ended up being a, a top 30 in PFF graded wide receiver. Uh, his last five healthy games, three of them, 111 yards, 70 yards and 66 yards averaged uh 50 just over 50 yards about 53 over his last five healthy games which would extrapolate to about 900 over the season so and, and that's not even counting that these uh you know these highly drafted wide receivers tend to make their biggest leap in year two nowadays it used to be year three now it's year two so i mean Traylon burks is actually set like i know it's a low volume offense but uh you know that didn't stop aj brown i'm i think i think Traylon burks could mm-hmm. give you like similar volume and yardage to Brown. Cause remember Brown never topped. I think it was like a thousand fifty yards for the, for the Titans. He was just, he was just usually pretty efficient. Um, but yeah, I think Burks can kind of, uh, uh, you know, come close to, to a thousand yards and just, you know, not, not as many touchdowns as a guy like Brown, but uh, Burks is kind of shaping up to, to be like a post hype uh, sleeper kind of, kind of guy, especially with the way Tennessee went about the draft. And now, uh, you know, I think Levis being the fact that he's an upgrade on Malik Willis, Josh Dobbs, mm-hmm. at least we, we think, I mean, I, I would think he is, um, you know, I, I noticed that Burke's a lot more efficient with Ryan Tannehill, 9.9 yards per target, 67% catch rate. Uh, and then he was pretty bad with all the other guys. So a lot of things to like about Traylon Burks out, of, you know, suddenly, and I, I never mind, you know, I know it's a low volume offense, but when you have this like one guy who could be a target hog in that kind of offense, I, I'm still fine with taking them because, you know, there's always going to be those games where, you know, somebody puts up, you know, 30 points on you and you yeah. just have to, you have to throw the ball. <laughs> there'll be quite a few of those games. So um, yeah, uh, I think Traylon Burks uh, came out of the draft as a winner. For sure, yeah, good time to to buy in on him, and don't forget about our boy Chicken Quanko at tight end. You know he's he's entering the season as a clear cut tight end one. He flashed them upside as well, so I think those two guys should be the top two weapons in this offense. Yeah, well, you just stole my thunder from oh, next no. segment, but uh... damn it, I didn't see that. No, <laughs> no, nah, nah, it's a good call. It's I, a great call. As yeah. long as as long as the listeners know we're both on the same page, that that's even yeah. more powerful. So uh, no, but I, I I totally agree. Um, who do you got for before we get to tight end? Who do you got for losers at wide receiver? Um, so Alec Pierce is the first one for me. Just the Colts will probably throw less once Anthony Richardson um, takes over. So I, I think the pass catchers will offer more value earlier in the season when Gardner Minshew is presumably starting. Um, plus the Colts also landed Josh Downs who could see a ton of volume in the slot. So it seems like, you know, Alec Pierce's stock took a bit of a hit draft weekend. Um, I also have Tyler Lockett here, you know, Lockett and DK Metcalf have been able to dominate the target share the past few seasons, but now they have a legitimate number three receiver in Jackson Smith and the Jigba that could ding both of them just slightly. Uh, but uh, Jackson Smith and the Jigba will primarily primarily line up in the slot. So that could kick, 
Lockett on the outside more, you know, making him a little bit more inconsistent, maybe draw tougher coverage week to week. Um, Plus also Seattle drafting Charbonnet could suggest the Seahawks are going to be a little bit more run heavy or balanced. Um, So, you know, I never count Lockett out, but just after the draft weekend, you know, that didn't help his stock. Um, And then the last guy um, is DeAndre Hopkins, just because there was rumors that Arizona was looking to move him, you know, for draft capital. But now that the draft has come and gone, you know, that's one less opportunity for him to get out of Arizona. I, I was hoping he might end up somewhere like Buffalo. Uh, mm. and, you know, that could still happen. Again, we're only dealing with the information we have right now. But the fact that the draft is over means it's more likely staying in Arizona, which is going to be terrible, you know, early in the season. We don't even know who's starting for them at this point. So um, that's brutal for, you know, Hopkins stock. Again, if he gets traded before the season, that should help or later in the season. But right now it does look like, you know, as of now he's staying in Arizona, which is bad for his stock. Yeah. Cause and we, yeah, we don't know how, how long Kyler is going to be out, but you know, depending on how the start of the season goes without him, you know, if they're sitting there like two and eight or two and, you know, one and <laughs> seven, do you really bring it, you know, do you really rush him back? You just say, Hey, Oh, right. Yeah. I, I mean, so. I mean, Colt McCoy is hurt too. So I know I mean, yeah, they, yeah. they might have to sign like s- somebody, but yeah, it's just not, not great. They might have to throw more as a result, mm-hmm. but you know, it could be Clayton tune throwing either way. It's a disaster for Hopkins at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think wide receiver is always the one where I'm always like, I'm always good at like being pessimistic about wide receivers that people are too high on. So I got quite a few here. I actually Who do you got, I got, so let me start. I, I, one of them, I didn't even write down, but um, with, you know, hearing you, your lack of take, I actually have a bit of a difference of opinion on that. I actually think the loser is Smith Najigba in oh, yeah. Seattle because he could have, you know, as the first wide receiver taken, I think you and I were talking about this. Like mm-hmm. the first wide receiver taken is usually going to a place where he's like the number one, number two, you know, yeah. almost guaranteed a hundred plus targets. Whereas I think he's a clear number three in, in Seattle, because I think Tyler Lockett, there were points where Tyler Lockett was better than DK Metcalf last year. So I don't think Tyler Lockett is going anywhere. Like I, I, that that's a guy, I think it was even last year. I was like high on Tyler Lockett. Everyone was kind of counting him out. Like I, I agree. You never count him out. So like, I, I think Smith and Jigba great, addition for Seattle, but I think as it for this year, like that kind of caps his rookie or upside more than um, almost any other landing spot when, when you're going to, you know, kind of go you're, and you're probably going to start, but you're going to be starting behind two of the best receivers in the game. So I, I thought he was a loser and uh, by a similar token, um, you know, you mentioned Alec Pierce. I, I think Michael Pittman, who, who still goes, you know, around, you know, low end wide receiver two, just outside the top 20. I think he may be a loser because I think you and I also talked about this, Mm -hmm. but like there's that Anthony Richardson risk of like he comes in and they run this offense where he's throwing like 25 times a game and yeah, he can launch it, but he's probably not going to throw a ton of touchdowns. And we already saw Michael Pittman kind of struggle to be efficient last year. Um, And, and he had my uh, Matt Ryan for a lot of the year. So I, you know, Pittman always worries me. The t- the touchdowns have never been consistent. I really love him as a player, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they got Jonathan Taylor. Like, it, it just – this this could end up being, like, a super run-heavy team. I, I, I just – I'm a little – it's a little rich for me. It just seems a little risky at that spot in the draft. Like, I wish he was going 
outside, you know, the top 30. And then, you know, maybe he's a little bit more of a value. But at, at this point, I, I do think there's some risk attached, especially when we don't really have a great idea of the projection for games started yet between Richardson uh, and, a, and, a, and a guy like Gardner Minshew. So um, as of now, I'm a little bit, you know, I mean, I, I agree. I think Pierce too. I think all the coast receivers, but yeah, because I think that Richardson risk is kind of like, you know, when Justin Fields first started or something like that, you know, yeah. it's there, it, it just might not be a lot of production uh, to go around, but um, I, you know, there's a other, ton of other guys as well that, that came to mind. So Rashad Bateman, um, you know, he was at one point kind of Baltimore's number one wide receiver, I guess, you know, last year heading into last year um a guy that could beat a, a lot of different types of coverages uh but now you got zay flowers who could overtake him you got odell beckham who you know will over will overtake him as long as he's healthy um and then you still got mark andrews there and we even saw jk dobbins catching more passes down the stretch uh last yep. year so suddenly rashad bateman you know goes from you know the number two option to potentially the fourth maybe even fifth option and that doesn't even take into account the fact that he struggled to stay healthy throughout his career so um you know baltimore going wide receiver in the first round and kind of completing mm-hmm. you know their their their, their wide receiver core more complete than it's been in years that that wasn't good for bateman uh our boy josh palmer uh not great not great not for great. Him. Not, not great, great. <laughs> not great uh the chargers go with uh tcu's wide receiving core uh in the draft they go quentin johnson and then they go darius davis so uh you know I, I, palmer i believe does not play special teams so i mean uh, you know if if if, the, if their draft picks have like great camps or something like that there's a risk they end up like moving palmer or healthy scratching him or something like that um now may, maybe there's also something on the horizon with williams or allen who knows mm-hmm. you know but uh Palmer seems like the guy, the odd man out as yeah. as I sit as we stand now. Uh and another guy that we both loved that I don't think the draft was great for was Romeo Dobbs. Um, you know, it, it, number one, obviously, you know, you're going from Rogers to Love, probably not the greatest thing. Um, but Green Bay finally went ham on pass catchers. They go tight end Luke Musgrave in, in round two, uh wide receiver Jaden Reed in round two. Tight end Tucker Craft in round three, wide receiver, uh, wide receiver Dontavian Wicks in round five, and wide receiver Grant DeBose in round seven. So just like, you know, last year we kind of liked Dobbs because he had this path to playing time in, in an uncertain Green Bay depth chart. It's like, well, now you know Christian Watson is gonna be a factor, but now you suddenly have all these other guys that um, you know, kind of complicate things. And, you know, Dobbs doesn't necessarily have like this clear, uh, you know, clear role anymore. So yeah, man, it's, uh, you know, Watson, maybe Reed starts in the slot, but, and, and Dobbs is that third guy. But I mean, I, I think, you know, Samori Ture is still there. Um, Your boy. Yeah. And, and he, <laughs> I mean, he's, showed some some flashes, but, you know, just with these pass catching tight ends and and the way Dobbs did struggle at times, to, to separate and, and, and kind of make himself available to, to Aaron Rodgers, I, I think, you know, I think last year was the year where you would have liked to see him kind of flash the way Watson did and, and kind of get more of a stranglehold because mm-hmm. now I, I, I will say that I do think he's at a lot of risk, even if he's starting, um, you know, of falling to like that, that, like that fifth 
target out of five and, and kind of being the guy that is invisible more often than not. Uh, so yeah, I didn't, didn't love it for, uh, for our boy Romeo Dobbs there. Yeah. To be fair, outside of Christian Watson, this wide receiver depth hurts kind of a crap shoot. Um, you know, Jaden Reed, he, he's an excellent returner. I don't know if he can like, uh, become a full-time starter, but just based on the depth chart, he might. Um, so I think Dobbs still has a shot, but like you mentioned, this is a Jordan love led Packers team, not Aaron Rodgers. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not as sexy to be taking the number two or three target on the Packers anyway. So I agree. It was not a good uh, night for Romeo or weekend for Romeo Dobbs. Um, just going back to Jackson Smith and Jigba though. Uh, I do agree. I think it was a slight ding to his value, but like technically all the landing spots he was supposed to go to were not great. You know, like he, he was linked to the Patriots. That would have been a disaster. I think uh, the Packers was probably the best fit for him. Like, like we're saying, mm-hmm. he would have been the number two target. Uh, but again, that's Jordan Love under center. We don't really know how good he'll be. Uh, Chargers, he would have been the number three, you know, pass catcher there. So I think the Seahawks is, you know, pretty neutral spot. I, I think he's the type of receiver that can't really be a number one. I, I compared him to um, Robert Woods on the Rams, not the Titans version of Robert Woods, the Rams version. Mm-hmm. So I think he's going to thrive as being a number two or number three. So I think if DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett were to go down at one point in the season, and he becomes a number two, that's going to be, you know, maximum value for him. So I think he does have some upside uh, on the Seahawks. Yeah, no, I, I do. I still like him. I mean, he's, he's yeah, a yeah, talented but, guy, but like, I, I just feel like, you know, I mean, all those other spots I think you mentioned would have still been better than Seattle. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, these guys, these guys, these, these guys don't really get hurt that much. I mean, not to True. say they won't, but like, they haven't really gotten hurt. Uh, he's a clear, and like, again, he's a, I think that's the issue is that he's a clear three on on this yep. team whereas like there were other teams where he like i don't think he has like any shot of like unseating metcalf or like i just i just it's just like, at least not this year like i just don't think exactly. that's how yeah so that that's, I think he's that's, gonna that's need, my kind of thought process exactly he's gonna need an injury like we were saying last year drake london gonna be the number one pass catcher uh garrett wilson gonna be the number one pass mm-hmm. catcher like it, with jackson Smith, it's like He's going to be the number three pass catcher, which is odd for the top wide receiver drafted. But that just that's how this class was this year. Yeah. Um, and I, it's unfortunate. But next year uh, should be much better with Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. I mean, you know, I never I never never sleep on wide receiver classes, though, because sometimes it's yeah. the ones that they think, you know, aren't aren't great. But then you have a lot of these like, you know, day two guys that just just go yeah. off. So I'm, I'm you know, I think it's in- I think it's going to be interesting. I think a lot of these guys are going to get playing time mm-hmm. right away, even if they're not necessarily their team's number one option. And you know, a couple of those guys probably will um, potentially take that role, you know, or, or grow into that role. So uh, still, still, I think uh, an exciting uh, and interesting class. Uh, yeah. Let's close it out with tight end and uh, who you got for winners. Uh, gotta go with Sam Laporta. Uh, you know, the Lions drafting him in the second round was this amazing landing spot. I was quizzing you. Uh, to name the Lions tight end depth chart. Uh, we James were Mitchell, Brock Wright, and uh, oh my. who's the other guy? There was a third guy. Jane Zilkstra. Jane Zilstra, yes, yes. Ooh, yeah, so, I mean, he doesn't have much competition. He's a great pass-catching tight end. Uh, and they're going to be without Jamison Williams, uh, you know, for the first six games. So They were without Jamison Williams for the entire season last year, too. Even that when is he was true. Playing. Even when he was playing, they were, <laughs> they were without Jameson Williams. He was, he was quite the decoy. He's not arrived yet. Got to, got to admit. But, um, you know, he could be Jared Goff's number two target to begin the season. So I thought that was an excellent landing spot for him. Uh, the other winner was Luke Shoemaker. 
Um, you know, the Cowboys kind of messed up a little bit. Ah, I shouldn't say messed up, but by not taking Michael Mayer, um, you know, they, they were left with like the sixth or seventh tight end because there was just a run on tight ends in the second mm-hmm. round. It was a very deep class. So they ended up with uh, Shoemaker, who who is legit. I, I, I think he's very Dalton Schultz-like. Um, so I thought this is a great landing spot. Anywhere else, he would have been a top, you know, the backup tight end at best. But I think he has real shot. Again, Dallas, their tight end depth chart is pretty weak. So he has a shot to be the week one starter and the Dalton Schultz replacement. So I just thought it was an excellent landing spot for him. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, I think, I, I'm guessing, especially just, you know, based on the context of the pick that they view uh, Ferguson and Hendershot as kind of backup role, role player yeah. type of guys. So the fact that they felt they needed to go tight end, um, you know, kind of telegraphs, telegraphs it. Uh, for me, uh, I got, uh, well, I got to start with Chica Conquo. You know, you already mentioned him, but <laughs> I think another guy who benefits from Tennessee, not drafting a wide receiver until round seven and, and also uh, a tight end until round five, because remember Austin Hooper's gone. So Oconquo, one of the more explosive tight ends in, in recent memory, you know, he could have a chance now to be this team's number two target. I still think it probably ends up being Phillips if he's healthy, just because of, you know, slot receivers tend to get that kind of mm-hmm. um, volume. But I mean, Oconco probably doesn't even need the second most volume to get the second most yards because he <laughs> averaged 14.1 yards per catch last year, uh, scored a touchdown every about every 10 catches too. So uh, this guy's super explosive and, uh, tight ends not is don't have those year two breakouts as many as much as wide receivers do, but yeah. the fact that he they're kind of putting him in a, a featured role uh, this early in his career, I think it's it's a good sign. You know, maybe maybe he's like their 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 new Delaney Walker or something, and you know maybe yeah. uh it, you know if Burks gets injured, maybe it's Oconquo who gets like those you know four five six catches a game. So uh, really think he has a lot of upside there, especially if you wait on tight end and you're you're not trying to take one of those riskier guys in the, in the middle rounds, which always seem to, to disappoint. Uh, I think Oconco is a, g- a great, uh, a great late round uh, tight end. Oh, absolutely. And I just remember last year, you know, making projections for him, he was topping out at what, like 55% routes run rate. Yep. But I was like, man, if he gets up to 70, he's like, you know, top 10 potentially tight end, if he could maintain, you know, his underlying usage. So yeah, heading into the season, he doesn't have much competition. We could see him top, 70% routes run rate, and he just has massive upside if he's seeing that kind of usage. Yep. And uh, the other guy is Juwan Johnson. Um, you know, with that Adam Troutman trade to the Broncos, I think that really opens things up here for Johnson to to get, you know, kind of a, a more traditional starting tight end role because Troutman was taking some of the snaps. We had mm-hmm. Johnson was another guy who would kind of, usually be between like that 50 and, and, and 75% yep. range. Um, but then Troutman would usually get about 30% and Taysom Hill still there. But now, you know, it's just Hill and then Lucas Kroll and Miller Forrestal behind, uh, behind Johnson. Like a showdown slate guys. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so like, they'll like that, that just tells me that they um, kind of, you know, uh, admired what Johnson did last year. And, and, you know, he's still, uh, He's not super young. He's going to be 27, but it's his fourth, you know, fourth real year in the league. Um, and I think, I think his role is going to continue to grow, you know, seven touchdowns on 42 catches last year, 65 targets, averaged 12 a catch, former receiver has some athleticism. 
uh, yards per target increased every year of his career. So, uh, yeah, I think we, I think we could see another one of these kind of, it's going to be hard to predict week to week and it'll have some bad games, obviously behind Olave and Thomas and, um, Rashid Shahid even, but at the same time, I mean, you know, Derek Carr's always kind of, he's had some good games with, with his tight ends. And, um, I, I do think, uh, I do think Johnson's role is going to grow here with that trout Madrid. So like him too. Who do you got for losers? I'm going to have to go with Dawson Knox, although he's pretty obvious um, considering the Bills selected the first tight end off the board and Dalton Kincaid, who is, you know, a legit pass catching tight end. Um, You know, Knox might begin the season as a de facto starter, but only be a matter of time until Kincaid passes them up. This also could just be a signal um, that they intend to use more two tight end sets um, this season. So this this could ding, you know, the the slot receiver role. So like a Khalil Shakir um Deontay Hardy those kind of guys might see less playing time as a result um but obviously this is just a crushing blow for Knox's value he still could be a red zone threat but um you know I don't think we're gonna be projecting him for three plus catches every game going forward um and then have to always pick on Austin Hooper when I can so uh, Austin Hooper was a loser um you know he was on track to be the Raiders lead tight end you know with Darren Waller now on the Giants um he had OJ Howard backing him up so I I thought you know he had potential to be a tight end to heading into the season, but Michael Mayer just sort of fell into the lap of the Raiders. So they had to take him. So uh, Mayer was considered, you know, the top tight end prospect. He's a you know good blocker as well. So I think he's going to get on the field day one. So I think that, that just, you know, limits Hooper's upside, not that he had much. Um, so, you know, Hooper's probably down to more, you know, unappealing tight end three uh, at this point. So I thought uh, Austin Hooper was a tight end. I thought lost quite a bit of value uh, draft weekend. Yeah, you know, Hooper, I mean, I think his best days are are behind him. Um, he's probably better in more of that supporting role where, you know, he can kind of sure. be your guy when you're going in, hurry up in two minutes, but I don't think he needs to be out there blocking um every every down at, at this stage yeah. of his career. He's going on, it'll be his age, uh, what, 29? Yeah, 29 season. Yeah, he's still pretty young, but this yeah. is kind of a warning sign with uh, Dalton Schultz moving teams that these, these kind of, this tight ends kind of their, given the scheme that they're given him, like uh, that year in Atlanta, he was just in a perfect situation, but he's not the kind of tight end that can overcome, you know, uh, uphill battle. So yeah, that's ever since he left Atlanta, I've been fading him, but uh, just Michael Mayer. Uh, I, I think he is the real deal. So I think he will be starting uh, very early in the season. Yeah. I think, I think these teams kind of look at these tight ends kind of like running backs. Like they're, they're replaceable mm-hmm. unless you really got a a, a good one, you know? And yeah. I think, you know, Buffalo, especially given, you know, you have digs, but Davis, he's not a massive separation guy. Like I just, they, I think they just need more out of their tight end. Like that. Yes. They'll probably also play some more two tight end sets, but I think it's just the fact that like Dawson Knox is just, his numbers have been as good as they are because he's in the Buffalo offense, not yeah. because, uh he's like exactly. an amazing tight end he's like i think he's very uh very average uh at the end of the day um for me it's uh isaiah likely because you know he's always a guy that i think we were like all right maybe this guy you know he had that big preseason we're like all right this guy could have some upside baltimore never has enough pass catchers well now they have enough pass catchers so uh you know obviously if mark andrews goes down you know, he'll, he'll probably get some, some streamer love here and there, but even then, you know, it's not the same as Mark Andrews going down when they have no receivers. It's Mark Andrews going down when they have uh, what looks like a formidable top three, at least while they're all healthy. So um, I, I think, you know, likely still going just outside the top 20 tight ends, but 
Um, you know, if it didn't happen last year, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to happen any uh, this year because it's, uh, you know, Baltimore is just a lot better off this year at, uh, you know, at pass catcher. So likely he's a guy for me that uh, gets a downgrade. Yeah, it, it's unfortunate. I mean, he's backing up you know, one of the best, arguably the best tight end in the game and Mark Andrews. So I think for him to really pop in fantasy, like you said, Andrews has to go down or realistically, he just has to get traded somewhere. Yeah. Uh, some team that needs an up and coming tight end. But yeah, as of now, um, I'm off of likely, unfortunately. All right. Uh, kicker. What do you got winning? No, just kidding. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> that San Francisco guy. Right. I mean, third yeah. round. We yeah. were with each other when they dropped to the kicker. Yeah, we were man. wondering what the hell is going on. Yeah. Like a lot of specialists went in this draft. It was like uh, Patriots took a kicker, Patriots took a punter. Like, yeah. there's a lot of odd things going on, but who knows? We'll, we'll see. Um, but uh, yeah, this is going to do it. Uh, great episode. And I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. But that's our post draft 2023 episode. Uh, we will, I believe we're taking the next week off cause you'll be in, you'll be gone. You'll be on vacation, be Sean. But, uh, yes, sir. But, uh, hope you enjoy, uh, Spain and, you. uh, uh, you're welcome. And, uh, um, when we get back, I think we're going to start doing, we're going to go, uh, division by division, I believe, uh, and just kind of go with some in-depth breakdown. So be on the lookout for that. But, uh, if you want to find Sean on Twitter, he's at the odds maker. I'm at Chris Raybon. You can find us at those same handles on the free award-winning Action Network app. You can follow our bets and track yours. Until next time, let's get this money. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.